Welcome to the Normal to Nomad podcast, where we share stories, thoughts, ideas, and conversations on our journey to find balance with nature in a technologically advanced world. My name's Baron, And I'm Elsa. We've lived five years on the road in our 13-foot scamp trailer, exploring the backcountry of the West with our dog, Camp. Now, we dive into a new chapter as we build an off-grid home on our land in Colorado. Greetings. Greetings. Should we cheers? Yes. Cheers. Should we make it a thing? Cheers every episode? I assume that we'll have coffee or something every episode, so that'll probably work. We did get these cups specifically for this office. That we did. This podcast episode, we're going to be talking about the reality of owning off-grid raw land. It was a big-time dream of ours, and I have noticed that it's a big-time dream of a lot of people to have raw land. Yeah. Because I think the the dreaminess is the freedom, the lack of overhead. What else is that? I mean, I don't know. It is super dreamy, but the realities of it, I think they've been fun and interesting, but um, there are things that we're dealing with that it's not that I didn't necessarily anticipate them, but they don't, I don't know. They're not obvious or they're not necessarily part of what you dream about. I kind of thought we'd be able to do anything once we got raw land. And we can do as close to anything here as you can anywhere. And that was part of why we chose this land. Yes. But in a lot of places, even if you own the land, you're very limited in what you can do. Which so it doesn't make any sense. Why? Yeah. I don't know. Any chance you give people to make rules, they will make rules. I suppose so. I think a lot of it is to keep land values up and, I don't know, just be arbiters of worthless rules. But Well, I mean, that's the you most can make, pessimistic that, yeah, way to you look can at make, it. I mean, there are plenty of reasons for a lot of the rules that exist, sure. Um, but a lot of them are behind the times. And I think rules, generally speaking, and laws should have sort of a sunset period. Like, after a certain amount of time, you should have to vote laws back into place rather than them mm. just lasting forever. And a lot of rules and laws are super archaic and not up with current technology or time. So, You and authority don't get along very well. Not typically, no. No, t- well, I mean, for the most part, I get along with everybody. I just don't like being told what to do if the what to do doesn't make any sense. You know? <laughs> yes, it frustrates you like nothing else in the whole world. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's something I could work on, but so I've tried to work on it. It doesn't work. Today we're going to talk about all these things that maybe you wouldn't have thought of before you purchased your beautiful piece of raw land. Listen to this and just consider some of the things that we are coming to find on our public, or I mean on our raw land. Yeah. So the first thing is definitely power. You don't have power on off-grid land. And we have come to, well, it's, it's kind of frustrating not really it could get frustrating our the rest of our neighborhood does have power some of some of the people our 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 like close-knit group around us do, we don't have power but there's something to that that's a bonus too because part of um the leverage that the powers that be have is whether or not they give you power 
like they they allow you to um, use the grid because you have to be up to code on everything. But if you're off grid, then you don't necessarily have that um, rule looming over your head. Like collateral. Yeah, yeah. So we can maybe get away with a few things legally, and not get. Yeah, it's not that we're getting away with. It's just things like we don't necessarily have to have our electricity approved, you know, and those types of things. We do. But we don't. We do, yeah. It's it's just fuzzier. Yes. So so it's a bonus in a lot of ways. And I don't know. I think it's really cool that we have to operate purely on solar power. And once we get it all set up, it will be so nice. Um, our town just had rolling blackouts. The whole area had rolling blackouts. Because the fires in Boulder. So took the power out, and I didn't know about it because... I was on solar. You were out of town. Mm. And it was kind of cool. It was like, sweet. This is small-scale solar, but we are um, not not really bound to what's going on in town. And the whole thing is self-reliance. And I know that that's kind of a misnomer because you rely on a lot of things in modern culture and we can't really get away from that. But the more self-reliant we become, the more safe and, uh, I don't know, peaceful I feel, I guess. So solar is part of that. What I'm learning, though, is uh, it's hard to start all these things and do all these projects without power. And we've got our modular solar, so we can bring our batteries everywhere. Shout out to Goal Zero. But it would be so nice if we could just hook into into the grid, use a saw, use power tools, anything on the grid. It would just make things a lot easier. It hasn't been a big problem, though. Like, no. all of our power tools are battery-operated. We went with the Ryobi kit just because... Because we aren't connected to the grid. Right. But by doing that, we have access to all the tools that we need, really. So it's not... I don't know. I would say it's been... It is a thing that we contend with, but it's less of a problem than I anticipated. Part of what's difficult about it is just figuring out exactly how different devices and things will affect our... Uh, solar kit because if we were on if we were on like city power we wouldn't have to worry about our office getting cold because we could just run the space heater all night and we wouldn't have to deal with things like the idea of a diesel heater or um, those types of deals and then also like with the freezer that was just weeks of research for me trying to figure out how exactly to do that and we just, I just kind of threw my hands up and said, screw it. Cause there's, you can go get DC freezers, but since, and I don't understand why, um, but freezers pull like, let's say, I don't know. Ours is only pulling like 60 Watts. So I don't really understand, but a DC freezer, since it's on 12 volt will pull, well, I guess you could put them on 24 too, but ours would be on 12 it will pull more amperage, which makes it slightly less efficient. But I don't understand why pulling more amperage versus voltage would make it less efficient. But that's what I've gathered from just people telling me. Um, so we went ahead and went with an AC freezer, which I didn't really want to do because now we have to have our AC inverter on all the time, which pulls like an extra six watts, even when the freezer isn't running. And six watts is ultra arbitrary but you know in 10 hours that's 60 watts and i don't know it just adds up so if we could not have that like parasiting power loss then that would be cool but i guess dc freezers 
are less efficient than that slight loss. And I still don't totally understand why, but we went ahead and got just a standard Energy Star AC, yeah, AC freezer. And it's working great. It only pulls like 55 watts, which is nothing. But also, since it's outside, that was another thing. Is Digging around online, a lot of people said you can't keep a freezer outside because it can't like operate given the um, backside of the compressor not being able to um, warm up so the difference in temperature wouldn't, I don't know, but that was just one of those things like, Oh, of course we can keep a freezer outside in the cold. Like that should be great for it, which it is in some regard, but then I don't know. The process has been pretty hilarious because all that complexity you just talked about, it, it was important to, to learn all that stuff and figure that out. But you went into the store, picked up the freezer we brought it home, left it on its butt because it was in its on its back in the car. Did that overnight, stuck it into a tree, cut a few branches out, plugged it in, and now we have a freezer. It, it was like the easiest thing ever, and mm-hmm. now we have a freezer. This is yeah. kind of the, the way it goes, though. Baron like does all the research that he can possibly do. He understands it top to bottom, inside out. I try. And then the problem ends up being because you've like exhausted yourself with all the different options usually it ends up being a lot simpler of a well because then when when you interface with it it's already done yes it's perfect (laughs) that's the way i like it we're doing the same thing kind of with our well right now exactly that's where my brain went to because water is the next thing that is a big thing on off-grid land. I'll try not to bore you with the complexities of it. Well, it might be important to hear the complexities because well, then people don't have to like frig- figure this out themselves. Uh, so wells and the whole technology around them and how they work, uh, it's been so hard to find good information on online because a lot of the well pump manufacturers are um, from other countries, so they don't have great information. And I think a lot of that is sort of abstracted by just people getting wells installed and the well driller typically would do the whole thing, I guess, but ours didn't. So um, now we're trying to figure out. He sure didn't. He sure didn't. All right, uh, give us a call if you want to pump. Yeah, and then we did, but he's super busy. I don't know. There's no no shade, but it just is what it is. Um, So we're trying to figure out what kind of pump we need because our well is relatively deep but not in the grand scheme of things um so 280 feet yeah but it says our resting water level is like i think it said something like did it say eight feet it was like eight feet or 28 feet or something on our pump or well report eight feet wouldn't make sense no i think it was like 28 feet it was something that i was like did they write this wrong yeah so I don't know, but you can we can pull the cap off and drop down a string until it slacks, you know, and then you'll know that's where or how deep your like resting water what level is. Because when you drill a well, the water, given how much pressure is down there, will backfill up to a certain extent. So then all of the water that you have in the tube is um, like you don't have to pull that up out of the ground. It's like resting and ready to be pumped. So... If we have enough water like resting in the tube, it's possible that our pump wouldn't have to work as hard and whatever. But we got to figure out where that resting level is. We'll still drop the pump way down into the well in case the water level ever drops. But So, yeah, we need to figure that out. And then 
on top of that, so how our system will work, the well is actually like, do you want to? No, like you're I'm doing ta- great. I don't, you're doing okay. great. Whenever, interrupt me as soon as okay. you need to interrupt me. Okay, cool. <laughs> Keep it up. <laughs> um, so our well is far away from where we plan to build and where we are currently staying. And we brought or we dr- drilled the well as far up the hill, like as close to where we wanted to build as we could. But the rig is so big and cumbersome that our land is like doesn't accommodate that super well. So they pushed up as far as they could, drilled the well. We got great water and everything, but we're pretty far away from it. So our thinking is eventually, like in a perfect world, what I will, once we have our house built and everything, we'll have the pump down away from us running on solar with a cistern right next to it, which is just a big water tank. So whenever the sun's out, it will just passively pump water using DC power straight from the solar panels. So it'll just passively pump into a cistern and we'll have to like bury the cistern or have it in a pump house or something to keep it from freezing. But, um, I don't know. There's a whole another set of complexities there, but that'll be the idea there. So whenever the sun's out, it's just constantly pumping until it fills up that cistern. And then we'll have another cistern up here at our house. And whenever we need water in that one, we'll pump it from the, from the well cistern. So whenever we need water, we can just kick on a generator down at the well cistern and push water up the hill to our house cistern. And then that way, um, we'll constantly, constantly be collecting water and we'll have like a surplus for whenever we need to pump it up the hill. And then the well pump can run just on solar sort of passively. We're working with land in the Rocky Mountains. So part of the reason we are considering this strategy is because we are going to have one hell of a time Mm -hmm. blasting this rock in order to bury the pipes deep enough. Right. So we'll need to have some sort of system so that the hoses are never full of water. At least in the summer, that won't be a big deal. But in the winter, which is not also, we can make that work. We've made a lot of things work over these last five years. We can make it work, but we can't bury these pipes very easily. And that's part of why this system will work because then we can just use a ball valve on either end. So when we're pumping, when we're using like the hose that connects our two cisterns, then um, you plug both ends and then it can push the water up. And then once we're finished, we just drain the water that's left in the hose out of the hose and then the hose doesn't freeze. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So then, I don't know, that way we don't have to bury that uh, hose that's going all the way up to our house. And we'd have to bury it so that the water wouldn't freeze in the winter because that would be a problem. Yeah, but I think this way we can get the well set up in a way that will uh, accommodate us going forward. And then for the time being, whenever we need to fill up our water jugs or whatever, we can just go down to the well with our flatbed, fill up some water jugs and bring them up here. It's not going to be as um, streamlined as living in the city. (laughs) You don't think? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to figure this out probably one step at a time, but we're willing to do to do so because we haven't had a shower or a toilet these last five years at all. Yeah. So just to have a pump of our own on our land even would be. It'll be amazing. 
but yeah, we still need to figure it out and get it installed and then figure out who we're going to work with to install it. Cause it's not rocket surgery to install the well pump and the casing and stuff or in the pipe that comes up from it. But it's something that I wouldn't want to do wrong, mm. you know, cause mm-hmm. if somehow you drop the pump down into your well water and couldn't retrieve it, that'd be problematic. I think we're probably going to have to have somebody come out here for septic too. I mean, mm. again, almost definitely. Yeah. With this rock. It is getting chilly in here, huh? Burr. With all this rock uh, to dig in, I think it's like an, a seven, six to eight foot hole or something to do the perk test. We cannot do that in all of this rock. We've uh, They blasted through 280 feet of solid rock to do our well. They didn't, well, when you say blast, I it mean, makes me drilled, think of dynamite. Yeah. Drilled with their, it was pretty blasting though. That was some serious stuff to watch that happen. Yeah. I would love to watch uh, more wells being drilled because that was a cool thing. Yeah. But with the well, um, once we get our pump in and stuff, I think it'll be another one of those things that's like, oh, now that we did it, that's easy. But I want it to be able to, like I said, use directly powered by solar panels. So it has to be a ultra adaptable pump so it can use lower or higher voltages depending on how we're pulling or pushing power to it and then i would like for it to also be able to use like one of our batteries if we bring that down there and we need to pump like right then and i would like for it to be able to use a relatively low wattage like thousand watt generator if necessary so um yeah the the grunfost pumps I guess, are one of the most adaptable, and that's probably what we'll end up going with. But uh, Because they can work at all different volts. Yeah. Uh, and they can use AC or DC power, I believe. That's rad. Is that not common? I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's so hard to get good information. I'm just kind of rolling with, because um, a lot of times, from what I've found, if I get a hold of, like, a solar company, they'll know all the solar end of it and like how to make power for the pump, but they don't really understand the pump as well. And then when you get a hold of like a pump oriented company or like a well company, they don't know the power end of it as well. Um, Cause we're in a pretty unique or relatively unique situation. So I don't know. We're figuring it out though slowly, but that's like one of the, big things on our list here coming up soon is figuring out how exactly we're going to do that. Do you want to move on to the next one? Do you have anything else to say? I could talk about the well forever, but no, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Well, let's move on to internet because that has been something that has been a challenge out here. Yeah. Unfortunately, because that's how we do our work is with the internet. Yeah. So what we've been running up against is And I don't really understand why it is, but my phone antenna, they're both on AT&T, both, or they were, and then we tried Verizon and it doesn't work any better. But we, with the phones, I feel like that antenna is just better, stronger. I don't know. And I think what I honestly think it is, is that phones have a higher priority, like on the towers than hotspots do. And I can't prove that and when I ask people they say that's not the case but it sure seems like that's the case so 
the through the bandwidth on like if we connect to my phone as a hotspot is pretty good and the connection is pretty solid but if we use our actual hotspot like independent hotspot then um, our bandwidth and connection is terrible um, and this is even with when we were using the Wii Boost, but our Wii Boost has since um, RIP'd. Gone kaput. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, we're still figuring out how exactly to do it. And uh, cell isn't working great. We've tried. We would like to even use the local internet provider, which we have line of sight to where they have antennas on a tower but we're too far away for the equipment that they provide for it to be able to talk back and forth. So it's possible that we may be able to use a different antenna here to talk to their antenna because their antenna is powerful enough to send the information or data here. It's just with the antennas that they typically provide, it wouldn't, ours wouldn't have enough reach to get back to them. Um, so it, there's possibilities as to how we could figure that out what we were really leaning on was the idea of starlink which is a uh, low orbit satellite internet that uh, elon musk and friends are working on but they've since pushed it said late 2021 is when they would have availability in this area but they pushed it to like mid 2022 um so we're hoping that that works out but it's currently not <laughs> yeah we'll be good to go once that happens and then typical, like, old-school high-orbit satellite internet would work. It's just uh, the latency is really high, and it's really expensive for uh, any amount of bandwidth. So for us, that wouldn't work so well. But we're making it work with the hotspot on my phone and our little hotspot. I'm kicking around ideas like running a coax cable, which is like the like a cable internet cable down the hill and like using a booster where we have line of sight to the tower with a wee boost like all the way down there and then running a cord all the way up the hill i just don't know like i don't feel like people often use that kind of technology in a residential setting so most of it is only commercially available i don't really know who to talk to to get that all rigged up but it's working okay for now it's just uh not quite ideal I agree. It's almost a good thing. It's a good <laughs> yeah, thing because then it totally kind of limits good. our constant use of the internet because we can't constantly use the internet. So and we've been reading more and stuff. Yeah, we just go to town to upload, which is not a big deal. It's a great opportunity for us to have a little date. Um, and we'll get to go on a lot more dates as we upload these podcasts weekly, mm -hmm. which is fun. I hope that it's fun for you guys to watch these on YouTube. We'll see. I wonder if it's fun to like see how we actually look when we interact. And I'm just, as you're talking about all these high level things, I'm just sitting here twiddling my thumbs and playing with my cup. They're hardly high level. Well, it's big things that I'm really glad that you do all the research on. You are fantastic. Thanks. Um, like I rely on you. I rely on community. <laughs> wow, what a segue. <laughs> and community is something that can be challenging to find when you are really, really remote. I think at least when we first got here, we're so used to being isolated, though. But when we first got here, it was kind of like, hmm, yeah, we're kind of on our own, even though we are kind of, we're not surrounded 
by, but we have a good amount of neighbors in our vicinity. We all have the same amount of acreage, so we're all really spaced apart. But having community really makes every step of this easier because they can share how they've done their process, all these processes, especially in your particular type of climate and terrain. They just have all of the OG wisdom and can share resources and tools with you too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I honestly, when we moved out here, I thought we would be way more alone and isolated, but after living out here, I've never had community like this because since everyone is off grid and, um, like figuring things out as they go, most of them have figured out clearly more than we have, but there's a big sort of support structure. So we've, in being in the middle of nowhere, more isolated than we've ever been, or not than we've ever been, but than we've ever like had roots, I feel like we have more community than we've ever had. Even though like mm. living in an apartment in Kansas City, we didn't know any of our neighbors. And you're not, living next to like 50 people. Right. Not for lack of trying, but you know, in that everybody's just busy and doing their own thing, but out here, um, people sort of rely on one another. So there's a lot more community, which I'm... Uh, very pleasantly surprised by. Yeah, we've been so lucky. And I would almost say that that should be something to keep in mind when looking for lots, when looking for land or looking for homes, is consider the community around you because it is wonderful to have a good one. That's when we were looking at this piece of land, like driving through and seeing every, what everybody else has going on, we could kind of get a feel that people had a similar idea at least to ours, you know? Yeah, same vibe. Really kind of artistic. Uh, some people have more artsy stuff going on. You could tell that people are pretty free, which made it feel like, sweet, we will then have the freedom to be free ourselves. And turns out they are all just as awesome as we thought on first appearance. I think everyone has exceeded my expectations yeah. as far as it's how cool, cool they could be. And I'm just excited to be able to eventually have space to host more people, even our neighbors. Mm -hmm. You know, it sucks to oh gosh, yeah. like just go over to other people's house and then we can't like invite them back over unless it's a really nice day or we build a fire, you know. But we've been kicking around the idea of building a yurt to sort of have some kind of gatherings. Um, and to be able to invite people to come stay or just spend time together. Just an adaptable space. Yeah. We'll see. It seems like there's a lot of opportunities for adaptable spaces. Yeah. We have so many ideas. Yeah. I feel like you lately have had more ideas than me, and it's kind of overwhelming. Mm, it doesn't have to be overwhelming. Well, I feel I'm already overwhelmed with all the things that we, like, have to do the priorities and then you're like "Ooh, <laughs> what if <laughs> but i appreciate all of your ideas you're welcome <laughs> we wanted to add weather onto this list because weather has been something that we have really been dealing with i mean kind of that's weather happens everywhere yeah. but it's something to think about when you are um, operating on raw land without a house as you're building a house, like in the springtime, we're going to be dealing with a lot of wind. And that is going to be quite a challenge to build a house, to be living in a trailer and dealing with the wind. 
I'd say wind is for sure the primary weather pattern that we have to think about out here. We have great sun. Uh, it's pretty dry, so we don't have to worry about a ton of mud or anything. Uh, the snow is a thing, but snow generally isn't problematic for us. Um, not a lot of rain to contend with. Really, it's just wind. Yeah, so thinking about those types of weather patterns as you go forward with your spot is important. It, I guess, maybe seems like pretty self-explanatory. Ooh, something else, though. What? The geodesic dome. I'm reading, uh, I just ordered us a book by the Rocky Mountain Permaculture Institute, or in association with, and they use geodesic domes to create growing environments that are like relatively tropical even and some of our neighbors have them too but i'm thinking since we definitely want a stationary like all-in-one greenhouse eventually for the time being it might be cool to get one of those domes and then we could use that as sort of that community space that we've been wanting for the time being and then eventually morph that into a full Mm -hmm. full full-on um greenhouse because it'd be really cool to spend time in there in the winter and stuff for sure. But I brought that up because those are weatherproof as far as wind and stuff mm. goes. And if anybody was worried about us, we got that H-shaped um, sparker ester from, what's the company? Dickinson Marine. They make sailboat parts. But that uh, sparker ester eliminates blowback from wind getting down into our uh, stove and blowing smoke back in the stove. Thank goodness. Because that was, that was frustrating. I would almost, like we got to the point where we were just, we would just give up on the stove for a few nights and just put all of our blankets on, which is fine. But a lot of our food and everything freezes then and that's and electronics and that's what the real problem is. We could sleep down into the negatives probably. The- probably. I'd say the single digits. Negatives would be like, okay, we're not getting out of bed. Yeah, true. Ever. Again. (laughs) Uh, The next thing on our list is development, just general development. Thinking of building driveways on your land. I guess that's not something that ever came up in my mind. And, oh, what a process that is. Mm -hmm. What a, a not even cheap process that is. Can't, ours has been cheap. All we needed was a sledgehammer and a pickaxe. Going forward, though, it, it might be better to put some gravel down. Yeah, we still for don't. Sure. We don't know what the strategy, what the play will be, but we've got so many rocks that Baron's just been going at it with a sledgehammer, just pounding them. Well, the, what it, I try to get all the rocks and boulders out with a pickaxe that I can, just digging around them and wedging them out of the ground. And then if they're too big and it's like a giant boulder underground and it's just the crest of the boulder that's poking up like an iceberg, then I have to just try to break that up with a sledgehammer. And we have a long driveway. Yeah. I'm making, I've made progress though. Yeah. And it's just, you know, whenever I am frustrated, <laughs> like that's a good time to go after the driveway. But uh, we've made progress. Our we- driveway is particularly gnarly though like it's uh we don't know many people aside from locals that could even get up our driveway probably with a standard vehicle our poor little subaru yeah she gets banged around a lot been looking at coilovers for the subaru so that um bumps are more absorbed now that we're not towing so often but that's a that's 
a subject for another podcast probably. So with all these things, I mean... Like the cacti too is something we wanted to talk about. Just removing enough cacti in the development space to like have a place to walk around and not have to deal with so much cacti and removing rocks. And then even our land is gnarly enough from rocks and cacti that we need to cut in paths where we're going to walk if we're not like wearing boots and especially for our little princess because he doesn't like walking through cacti. He's not much of an off-roader. <laughs> yeah, he for used how, to be. Well, I mean, for how old he is and how long he's been doing this, he's not a sidewalk dog because he hasn't really... He grew up for two years with a sidewalk. Mm. So I don't really understand his need for walking on trails only, on paths only. He I just th- doesn't yeah, like It's the, the cacti. 100% it's the cacti. Because whenever he knows that there's not cacti around, like even down the hill here... That's why he'll go down there because he only has to navigate cacti for like 20 yards and then he's home free. So he's he's a pretty smart little guy. He's intelligent. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you have anything else to say? Um, as far as like development stuff goes, uh, something that's been cool is just being able to collect the different tools that we need to do projects like that. Like to have a sledgehammer and a pickaxe and you know, all the different tools that we need to get after stuff like that. It's That's the kind of benefit of having land. Yeah. It's been a slow collection process, but it is really cool to know that, hey, we can use that tool for this and um, to have those kinds of things. Yeah, it makes you feel safe being able to just keep tools and food. Mm-hmm. This freezer I'm so excited about. Yeah. I just exclaimed with joy the other day, realizing that we can go to town and buy some ice cream and mm-hmm. keep it for the first time. And there's like a primal sort of comfort in knowing that we have two deer. I got two deer and when we went hunting, which I don't think we talked about. But um, we have two deer to put in the freezer that are currently at the processor. And that's something that we want to do ourselves in the as near a future as we can, but it's just not super viable given our situation right now. Um, yeah, so baby steps. But to be able to have all of that food in our freezer and then to be able to preserve our own like vegetables and even buy things in bulk and keep them in the freezer will just be wonderful. Because that feeling of... Uh, like. To not have to go to town for groceries and just to have a stockpile of stuff just feels so nice to me. I don't know um, how rational that feeling is, but it feels really good. Well, it's part of the self-sustainability thing, again, circling back to that. Mm -hmm. That feels really good to be able to sustain ourselves Yeah. on our own. I mean, that's what that means, I guess. And that's why hunting is so appealing. Because it's a step to that. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't know. I want to talk about that subject more here in the future. We'll have a podcast episode on it. Yeah. At least one. Yeah. Because that's going to be a big part of our selves, our lives. So that's going to just become more of a thing on this channel. Because growing food and procuring food from the wild will be... Tanning the hides. How we spend a lot of time. That's what we're going to get into soon is... I really want to get a whole setup so that I can brain tan. I want to do it so bad. A lot of people, when they um, 
like harvest animals, like whether it be elk or deer, what have you, they'll, they won't do anything with the hide because it's a process and most people don't have the tools or like care to use that leather. So even if it's not our own deer, if we have the whole kit to process leather and then Elsa can make it into things, it would just be so cool to use that even beyond the things that, um, are our own just to be able to do that. Not necessarily for other people, but to use what would otherwise be waste mm-hmm. and then turn that into unique crafts Absolutely. And stuff. Use the whole animal. Find a way to use the whole animal in every situation. Mm-hmm. I just think that's so cool. I'm so inspired by Onia uh, from season seven of Alone. She's taught me a lot and I cannot wait to be like her <laughs> soon. in every way. Very soon. <laughs> so, oh, I wanted to add too. I know we're talking about like all the challenging things that you wouldn't expect um, in owning raw land. And this could be anywhere. This is a positive thing. You could do this anywhere. It doesn't have to be raw land. But finally being able to observe the sun and the moon and the stars in their position every day and every night has been so cool. I think that I never really did it in the city because you've always got streetlights. You've always got lights inside the I don't know we just always had lights so I never paid attention to when the sun rose and when it set and the moon I didn't even pay attention to really the phases of the moon because now we are living off the grid with no 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 power so we've got our solar lights and everything but um on the nights where the moon is is it it either waxing crescent or is it waxing um Waxing is getting more moon. Yes. Waxing crescent to full moon, like the brighter stage of the moon, we can just do more things later. We were going on a walk yesterday and came back late, and we had moon shadows as we walked up the hill. And that is just so cool. It's amazing what you can do in moonlight. And And not having to use headlamps when you go pee at night is kind of sweet, too. Planning camping trips around full moon is so smart. And that's something I never really would have understood before doing this. But it's just been rad to see the stars moving in the sky because they move, too. There's a northern hemisphere and a southern hemisphere um, set of stars that you see in the summer and the winter. So just observing that has been so fun. We have so much to learn. And as the equinox came, we were watching the sun every day and just watching it get lower and lower. And like, please don't go behind the hill. But thankfully, I feel like we have more sun given our... Uh, north-facing arrangement than I thought we would. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, we not do. so bad. Yeah, because you can see the neighbors across the way. They've got, depending on where they're at, 15 to 30 minutes more sun than we do. And I thought it was going to be more like an hour or so. Mm-hmm. But it's okay. We can we can deal with that. Because we get a lot more trees for mm-hmm. having less sun, yes. which is a fair exchange, I yes, think. Yes, I agree. Well... I think we've covered it. Cool. Please don't mock me. <laughs> Those are mocking you. Um, if you would like to see or hear anything in particular in the future, leave a comment in the YouTube comments below this video. Or if you are only listening, you can find the show notes on Baron's website, normaltonomad.com. Normal, Normal the with the two. number two. Leave a comment there if you want to hear something in particular. And don't forget, we have a Discord as well. So if you want to join the conversation with 
everybody else that's geeking out on all this kind of stuff, then you can join our Discord server. Great work. Likewise. We will see you in the next one. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us. Please give us a five-star review if you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information on this episode, head over to my website, normal2nomad.com, which is linked in the show notes. And if you want to see what we're up to, visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Elsa Ray.